0: Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Boltevich. And now, here's
1: Jay. And good afternoon. And it's another beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest, and this is the Bo's Nose Show coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon, and I'm your host, Jay Bozovich, West Lane County Commissioner, and if you want to get in on the show today, you just have to dial 646-721-9887, and uh, just press 1, and that lets Robin, my call screener, Producer extraordinaire, know that you want to get in on the conversation. And today's a great day to get in here because we have a guest today, Lane County District Attorney Patty Perlow. And uh, Ms. Perlow is here uh, to talk to us a little bit about DA's office and a few other things that have changed around there and to answer your questions about the DA's office, which, uh, you know, most people may not understand everything they do. So, Patty, uh, or, or should I call you District Attorney Perlow? Uh, I'm so used to calling you Patty because I see you around the building so often, so excuse my informality. Um, welcome to no, the Bozo no show. Please call me
0: Patty. Please call me Patty.
1: <laughs> I know it's almost awkward for me to say Ms. Perlow or District Attorney. Uh, and right. just, and please yeah. call me Jay. Uh, okay, on this show, I'm just Jay. Yep. Patty, tell tell us a little bit about your background uh, and and how you ended up getting appointed as district attorney here.
0: Well, I was born and raised in Oregon. I grew up in Hillsboro, came to the U of O, uh, right out, you know, as a freshman in college, finished up there, went to work at the legislature because I thought politics would be my dream and quickly was convinced that I had had a wrong dream. And came back to go to law school and then never left I uh, clerked for a judge out of law school for about five months when a woman from the DA's office came down to my judge's office and said would you be interested in working in the DA's office that was in late 1989 so I interviewed after the interview said who would want to work there met with Doug Harkle Road who was the DA and he convinced me that I wanted to work here the judge i was clerking for said work 2 years and get out or you'll be a lifer and he was right so i've now been here for, for over 27 years and uh, i Was the chief deputy from January of 2009 until Alex Gardner, who was the previous DA, resigned to go work for the Oregon State Police. And then I uh, applied for the appointment to the position in July of 2015, was appointed by the governor, and ran for election last year. And now I am serving the first year of a four-year term. How's that?
1: Well, that's that's. Quite a background. So so you were actually a, a baby DA at one point in your department, so that kind of gives you a real perspective um, as a district attorney, um, understanding your staff, I imagine, you know, from, from the, the entry-level staff to the experienced prosecutors, uh, that's, that's a great perspective to have.
0: Well, it really has changed here dramatically since I started. But, yes, uh, as a baby DA, back, you know, starting in 1990, we used to have district court and circuit court. Uh, And so as a baby DA, you got to cut your teeth with one set of judges who only heard the misdemeanor cases. And uh, now we throw them in with the – they're all circuit court judges, and uh, we don't coddle our lawyers anymore like they used to be.
1: yeah, so so you got a chance to uh, ease your way in and and your new DAs that you're hiring now get to jump right into the fray and and try uh, felony cases then.
0: Well, they're still trying misdemeanor cases, but they have you know fifteen different judges that they appear in front of, and they may pick up a sentencing docket you know, to cover somebody who's previously changed their plea and gets set over for sentencing. They make yet a sentencing docket that covers felony cases as well as misdemeanor cases. So they need to know a lot more than we did back in the day. Uh, but we also tried a lot more cases back then than they do today.
1: Hmm. So that kind of leads to, to my second question for you. Can you kind of just go over exactly what the district attorney's office is responsible for?
0: Sure. <laughs> So we have four divisions here. Uh, The one that most people are familiar with is criminal prosecution. We handle any felony that's committed within Lane County, and all of the misdemeanors that are brought to us from the Oregon State Police or the Sheriff's Office, the uh, misdemeanors that happen in the city limits of Florence, Cottage Grove, Junction City, Eugene, Springfield, and Oak Ridge all go to their municipal courts but we still get all of the uh, DUIs that the state police uh, make arrests on and the sheriff's office and then every felony that happens in the county. We have a support enforcement division. We call it our family law division and they are responsible for collecting child support for Lane County kids and collected upwards above $21 million last year for Lane County kids. We have a uh, victim services division. In Oregon, uh, victims of crime have constitutional rights, and it's my obligation to make sure that those rights are enforced. And so we have seven paid staff in victim services. Most of that's grant funded. And then we have about 25 volunteers at any given time who advise uh, victims of crime of their constitutional rights. Uh, attend proceedings with them and keep them notified of what's going on in cases and the final one is the medical examiner and while the medical examiner is actually a state function investigations are conducted by county employees and so we were just uh, granted a third investigator. Thank you very much, Commissioner Commissioner Bozovich, for that. Um, And so they are responsible 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to go out to investigate unattended or unexplained deaths that occur in Lane County. They uh, investigated about 1,100 cases last year and took jurisdiction on over 500. And then the uh, state medical examiner has a forensic pathologist who is assigned to Lane County and he performed autopsies on a certain percentage of those. That's it for our divisions.
1: Yeah, and and, and that medical examiners division has been a really hard thing for us to keep funded. And I'm kinda of glad we're getting to build back your your capacity there because I have a I know someone whose wife passed on um, at their home, uh, and turned out of natural causes, but it was an unintended death. And unfortunately, um, at that time, your office had very little capacity. You know, it was in during some of those down years. In fact, I might've even been before you were DA. And, um, he had to deal with having her body in the house until an examiner could come and release the body. And it turned out to be almost 18 hours. They, they had to wait before they could move the body um, from the residence because you know it was clear over in Florence area, and uh, it just was w- one of those really unfortunate, sad situations that just caused a lot of extra stress be- beyond having a spouse pass away. You know, oh, you know, not being able to, to move the body.
0: <laughs> that's uh, you know, we live in a very large state geographically. And we have one person on call at any given time. And before we had, well, at one time we had one person full time, and the rest of the investigations were handled, you know, on evenings and weekends by uh, part-time people who were hired on as extra help. Uh, we then at increased it to two full-time people. Well, you can't cover 24 hours a day, seven days a week with two people. So we uh, increased the coverage with, or f- filled in the rest of the coverage with the same extra help in, gosh, 2000, I want to say 2009 or 10. The state medical examiner hired uh, a forensic pathologist assigned to Lane County, and he really changed uh, the staff to be very professional. Uh, our extra help people are all uh, full-time employees uh, as nurses or EMTs, and then take on this additional responsibility on their evenings and weekends for you know really no money. They're not doing it for the money; they're doing it for the experience. And so, yeah, at any given time, we may not have somebody uh, if the the investigators in Oak Ridge and we have a death in Florence, or if search and rescue has had to go out to recover a body or the medical examiner investigator has gone out to that location, everybody else is on hold until the person who's on duty gets cleared. So, with over a thousand deaths being investigated a year in Lane County, you know we have—I mean, that's about three a day. Well, it's more than three a day. So, it really is difficult to cover with what we have. But they do an exceptional job uh, under the circumstances that we have. We have terrific staff.
1: Yeah, and, and I think they have been doing yeoman's work. And I think it's one of the things folks probably aren't really aware that's even a county function and a DA function that we have the medical examiners staff as county staff and, and, and just what they do, um, relative to, you know, unattended unexplained deaths, um, you know, is, you know, quite often it just turns out it's a natural cause, but there's still, you know, you never know if it is natural cause until that's been determined. So there, there needs to be some, uh, you know, work done to make sure that it you know there there wasn't some other re, some other cause and and needs to start um, you know a criminal investigation and that's really what those folks kind of help help determine.
0: Right. So the criminal um, cases are actually the easiest cases for them. Uh, the most difficult cases to investigate are the people you know who are middle aged and we have no medical history on them and to try to figure out what the cause of death was under that circumstance. And so that's why we have really well-trained people who know what to look for when they go into the scene uh, to try to piece together what's occurred. It's 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 a fascinating job. Obviously, it's not for everyone. And you mentioned about the state function versus the local function. There's been a lot of discussion about whether the state, since they are the medical examiner, should take over that function completely, the investigations and all. But the counterside to that is it's nice to have somebody who's connected locally involved in the investigation because you have the relationships with law enforcement you have the relationships with the funeral homes and the hospitals and uh, and so keeping it keeping it local often provides a better uh, outcome for our families in Lane County
1: Yeah and you know keeping a government on the most local level possible I think is always provides the best service um, yeah, I was having a discussion the other day with with some folks about dispatch, um, and there was uh, at one point an attempt by the state to take over all 911 dispatch and make it regional, and you know basically break the state up into ten to six, ten to fifteen regions, uh, and have these centralized 911 systems. Well, that's great, but if you're if you're 911 operators don't quite understand the geographic limitations of a of a county like Lane County. They you know, they might think that they can send some officer from Triangle Lake to Walton because it looks close together on a map.
0: Right. <laughs> when they're
1: not really any, when there's not a really good direct route between Triangle Lake and Walton. Uh, for, for an officer to get there, and and the guy that's actually over in in Florence might be act, actually closer uh, time wise than, than the guy in Triangle Lake. Uh, All
0: right.
1: So yeah, yeah it, it's uh, so yeah, the little little things like that and the relationships. Uh, it, it it always seems to be more helpful to have a a a government you know on these local levels and the medical examiner's office being run by a county versus the state allows those, those that local knowledge and local r- relationships to come into play so right. you know you you got appointed by the governor in 2015 was that correct yeah yeah
0: it was uh, and, I got sworn uh, in July 31 2015
1: yeah and and that was, you know, some interesting times in the DA's office for the last couple of years leading up to that. There have been a significant amount of um, cases, you know, where arrests were made in Lane County and folks would come to our, our jail, you know, felony arrest. They come to the jail. They don't go to a municipal facility. And, um, you know, they have to be arraigned within 72 hours, I believe. And, and um, at that time, they're either charged or they're not charged. And if they're not charged, they're released um, without anything on their record. And we we're having a lot of cases in Lane County that the folks were being released because the DA's staff was so uh, under-resourced, they were actually being released. Uh, and, and I think that The correct terminology is failure to charge due to lack of resources,
0: correct,
1: Um, which which basically said we don't have enough folks to actually follow through and prosecute you on these charges. So here you go. You're out of jail and nothing shows up on your record, even though you're arrested for a felony. Uh, And that was happening pretty often in Lane County. And that's changed quite a bit. Can you talk a little bit about what you did to change that?
0: first of all I love to take all the credit for that I have to acknowledge the uh, voters of Lane County providing us with a uh, significant increase in jail beds by voting for the levy in 2013 Um, prior to that in 2012 about a third of the staff in the DA's office was laid off because of lack of general fund money availability and so with a third less staff we were um, you know triaging cases that came in here and anyone who wasn't going to uh, either be held until we could get them into court or uh, have committed something significant enough that was going to send them to prison wasn't getting filed here and so what we had uh, really, as an unfortunate circumstance because so many more Lane County residents were victimized, is we would let people commit crimes uh, until they amassed a significant enough criminal history that they would go directly to prison. Then we would uh, ask that they be held in the jail while we took care of uh, getting them into court on this significant criminal history and get them transported directly to Salem which wasn't good for our residents. It wasn't good for you know, intervening in the criminal habits of people who uh, were out committing the crimes. And then, of course, after they served some period of time in state corrections, they were getting released back to our community uh, with no meaningful or significant intervention. And they'd go out and commit crimes again. So, uh, with the advent of justice reinvestment uh, money coming into Lane County, we were the recipient of a couple of grants that funded uh, three lawyers initially, two of them under what was called the Senate Bill 416 program, and one of them on a what was called a local JRI grant for a, a diversion program. we were Starting to ramp up our felony prosecutions, our property offenders uh, that were high and medium risk started uh, going into a, a program with a, uh, well, I don't know how much detail you want on this. Instead of going to prison, okay. uh, they would have a prison sentence hanging over their head, but they would actually be placed on probation with uh, intensive supervision, a lot of programming, some mentorship. Uh, housing uh, to get them on the right track to success anyone who wants to uh, be successful in this program has all of the resources necessary to do that Uh, we also had a grant for a a diversion program for low-level low-risk property offenders sending them to the uh, Center for Dialogue and Resolution And uh, if they successfully completed the program and made a meaningful attempt at paying their restitution, their case would be dismissed. We uh, didn't file from 2012 until August of 2015 most of the possession of controlled substance cases that were happening in Lane County. And I remember reading a police report, a Eugene police report, of a young man who overdosed on heroin at the uh, Fred Meyer on West 11th in the bathroom and not filing it because we didn't have the lawyers to cover all of those cases. And then just a few weeks later, rereading that exact same report and thinking, well, why'd they resubmit this? Well, it was the same young man had overdosed again in the Fred Meyer bathroom. And uh, thanks to... Narcan. Uh, not everyone who overdoses with on heroin in Lane County uh, can be. You know, we don't have the number of deaths that we did at one point. Uh, you know, people are saved, but <laughs> over time, it, it became apparent that we really needed to be intervening on those cases, and so I hired a lawyer. He get he's uh, grant funded, and his responsibility is our treatment court, or all of our treatment courts. Uh, it started out as a uh, drug treatment court, uh, then we expanded into a veterans program, and now we just added last fall a mental health treatment court. But at the same time that he's covering all of those courts, he is also handling a uh, the bulk of the additional 1,000 possession of controlled substance cases we filed in that first year and have continued to file to this day. So there are a lot of incredible things that are happening now and uh, what we've seen in the most recent data from the criminal justice commission is that lane county's recidivism rate while if you heard it you would still think it's appalling is actually one of the best in the state how was that yeah and and i
1: think there's a a lot of other impacts too and while i've got a quick break here i want to remind folks uh, we're speaking with uh, da patty perlow today Uh, the District Attorney, and if you want to talk to her or have a question, you can call us at 646-721-9887 and just uh, press 1 if you want to get in on the conversation. Um, One of the things, uh, you know, that is secondary to some of those issues we have, when we ended up having to make those cuts to the DA staff and you guys weren't charging as many crimes, it also reduced the number of people that we we're actually supervising on parole or probation in our county um, a- relative to the overall population under supervision in the state. And there's two significant revenue streams coming into the county that are, that are based on our percentage of the state pie of supervised uh, population. And Prior to those cuts, we had been averaging a little over 12% of the state's supervised population uh, was under supervision in Lane County. After those cuts and several years of, of going through that, we had dropped down to uh, about eight and a quarter percent of the state's population. So our share of the pie shrank uh, over those years, and with the the hiring of these um, grant funded DA positions doing the diversion work. And then when folks are in diversion, they're under supervision. In addition to this, also the person working the uh, treatment courts, uh, we've actually increased that percentage back up. We're back up above 9% now. So our share of that community corrections and uh, justice reinvestment funding has actually gone up uh, over ten percent in in the upcoming uh, budget cycle, so um, it's really you know your ability to try and leverage those grants and, and start working on charging those lower level crimes is also having an impact on the resources that are available to to do the treatment and supervision work um, that that is needed to follow up with those folks. So uh, it has a lot of. Um, it's not only the recidivism rate that's that's improving in lane county um but also uh just our it's helping get us resources to continue to work on that recidivism rate because those resources are used for uh supervision, mentoring, treatment, addiction treatment, uh mental health treatment. uh they they're just it's 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 been a real bonus to to have um the way the DA's office has stepped up, uh, it's actually impacting uh, a lot of other agencies and their, their their resources that are available uh, to deal with some of this population.
0: Well, that's correct. And I'm surprised that we even made it to 8% given that uh, our, our objective <laughs> was to send people directly to prison and place as few people on probation as because we weren't filing on those probation eligible cases so it's true we have increased um, I can't even tell you how many fold but by filing a thousand possession of controlled substance cases that has brought community corrections money in for um, the people who are placed on probation but it's also bringing in the money for the treatment courts for the ones who Are being supervised by parole and probation while they're in treatment court, but then never end up with a uh, conviction on that particular case. Um, I mean, some of them still are are in treatment court as a condition of probation, and all of that is contributing to the funding of Lane County. Uh, And I might mention, you know, whether you're a fan of the Affordable Care Act or not, uh, a lot of our uh, treatment court. You know, being able to provide treatment to the people in the court is paid for uh, because they're on the Oregon Health Plan. We couldn't afford the the level of treatment that is getting provided, and we couldn't continue the level of service that the court is providing if we had to pay for treatment out of our grants. So we have taken full advantage of uh, the Affordable Care Act for getting people into treatment courts, uh, and, and the veterans court and also the mental health court, because it's paying for a lot of our behavioral health uh, the staff at behavioral health, being able to attend to those people who are in need.
1: Yeah. And I, I will say, you know, I've, I've been to a veterans court graduation um, and if anyone wants to hear some inspiring stories and, and uh, you know, Experience uh, uh, some pretty uh, amazing emotions, go to a treatment court graduation of some kind, whether it's Veterans Court or Treatment Court or Mental Health Court. Um, the stories of some of the graduates are just amazing. You know, from what, where they came from, you know, the, the, this particular veteran that, that was graduating had been chronically homeless and su- dealing with some severe mental illness and addiction issues. Uh, to where he was actually in a stable housing situation. He had uh, was in recovery from his addiction, um, and was just in a completely different place. Um, the 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 change in that you know that this is somebody that served our country, um, you know is pretty amazing. Uh, uh, so you know it's really such a better thing than just taking that veteran and, and waiting till they've got enough crimes to send them straight off to prison and they just sit in prison with no real uh help for all the underlying issues that that drove the criminal history that got them you know the criminal behavior that got them in trouble with the law in the first place um and, and you know that kind of ties into the the county uh of commissioners yesterday adopted a stepping up resolution to join the national effort to try and divert folks with uh, mental health issues out of our jail and your staff's ability to charge lower level crimes usually is catching that population that's dealing with mental health issues. Um, because quite often those uh, possession crimes are being, um, are folks that are really just out there self-medicating a mental health issue. Um, so well, it, it's...
0: All of these issues are so intertwined. Uh, yeah, it, it's almost ironic that uh, people who have served our country, and we've asked so much of them, uh, to get the services that that they should be having anyway, uh, have to commit a crime to get into the program in order to get the services that we have available to them. Uh, they should all be receiving those kind of services. But you're absolutely right. Attending a graduation from any of the treatment courts is one of the most moving things that a person can experience. Uh, our veterans, uh, you know, as you mentioned, being housed and feeling good for the first time in a long time. Uh, and, and treatment court. We just the last graduation we had five gentlemen. They all uh, were dressed up. Uh, you know, four of them were in ties. They all had either employment or schooling. They all were housed. They're, you know kids who've been removed from homes are returned to the parents during the course of treatment and and they end up being contributing happy members of our community uh, and feeling good about themselves, sometimes for the first time in a really, really long time. And uh, this last one, his uh, one of the gentlemen's mother had come from across the country, and he hadn't seen her in over 10 years, and she came specifically for his graduation because she was so proud of, what he had done to take his life back. It was beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's an amazing change in people when they can get the help that they need to help themselves really. Cause you know, you can't be successful in any of those programs if you don't put the work in yourself. Um, and what those programs do is they basically hold folks accountable because if you don't follow through, um, with your treatment with your with your uh, conditions of probation um, it, you 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 end up you know getting sentenced for the original crime and going to prison um, so you know it, it's that that accountability that's built into that whole system is is you know helps people stay accountable, but they really have to do a lot of work themselves to to be successful um, But we just, you know, it's part of us. They need help helping themselves. But you can't, treatment alone doesn't make somebody not an addict. They have to make some huge, uh, do some huge work on themselves uh, to become successful. So uh, it's a pretty, uh, you know, it's not just a handout. You know, it's really a hand up sort of program. And it's really been a great program. So uh, again, we are, this is the Bo's Nose Show, and we are talking with uh, District Attorney Patty Perlow here in Lane County. And um, our number is 646-721-9887. And just press one if you wanna get in on the conversation and talk to uh, District Attorney Perlow. Or if you have a question for me, your host, Jay Bozovich, uh, West Lane County Commissioner. Again, that's 646-721-9887. And um, Patty, are, you know, one of the questions you know that I've had, and I, I I meant to ask you this: Are you the first female district attorney in Lane County?
0: I am the first female district attorney in one of what's called the big five counties in the state of Oregon. So that's wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a pretty big deal at the time of the appointment that uh, Lane County had never had a woman and. Washington County, Multnomah County, Clackamas County, and Marion County still have never had a woman.
1: Wow! Wow! So you're breaking barriers while while also uh, improving the service to the DA's office. That's that's pretty pretty amazing. So uh, anyone that says that that um, you know women can't function as well as men. I I think you're, you're kind of showing everybody that, that you're not only functioning as well, you're actually doing better than, 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 uh, a lot of men would, would have done in similar circumstances because it would have been probably pretty easy just to to stay on cruise control of, of, of what was existing when you walked in. But you, you certainly have done a lot there to, um, add to the the capacity and and help um, the overall criminal justice and public safety system in Lane County with the additional um, work you've been doing and being innovative and how you've been distributing your your staff and how they, you know, getting these lower level cases charged and getting folks into diversion programs. It's just been very helpful to the whole system. So I have to commend you on that. And, and and we know that the DA's position in Lane County is, has not been without controversy in the past.
0: Um,
1: there there was a, a time when one of the previous DA's kind of came out with a hundred crimes that he wouldn't charge when he had to cut some staff. Uh, do, you, do you remember that? Yeah, I
0: do remember that very well. In fact, I may still in my file cabinet have the blue memo with that list. Um, but Even during the cuts that we had from 2012 um, as chief deputy, I made sure that we didn't have a list of cases that we weren't going to file because there were people who needed intervention of one kind or another. Uh, And so the cases were actually examined individually, and I reviewed every case that came in. But, yeah, that whole time of we aren't filing any of these cases is is really a a short-sighted way of doing things. Uh, You know, we work in a field of uh, controversy. You know, somebody is going to be unhappy no matter what happens in the criminal justice system. And so it's it's not um, unexpected that... There would be controversy or, you know, discussion in the paper about what's going on in the DA's office at any given time. I've been really fortunate that I have a staff who uh, really is supportive of the decisions that I've made and uh, feels like they can be pretty candid with me if something I'm proposing uh, doesn't strike them as what uh, is in the best interest of the office as a whole. Uh, And this is a great time to be working uh, in Lane County or working for Lane County because we have a whole host of uh, managers, supervisors, uh, program directors who have stopped taking the attitude of we can't do anything because we don't have any resources and turned it into this is what we have, what can we do with it. So I'm, I'm really proud to be here right now.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that that was a great description of the way Lane County's kind of turned around because you know we did have to go through horrible budget cuts in, in 11, 12, even into 13, we made some pretty drastic cuts, but we've kind of leveled off and stabilized our finances. And, and the attitude has changed uh, to, you know, okay, this is what we have. What can we do with it? And, and how can we even leverage it and do more? And I think that's, that's really been an amazing change. So speaking of controversy, one of the places that um, the DA's office and DA's across the state have kind of been in a bit of controversy and even across the nation is in the whole grand jury um, system of, 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 you know, how grand juries function. Is it, you know, kept too private? It should, you know, and should it be publicized? And there's actually been a A couple bills proposed in the legislature to require um, recording grand jury proceedings and all that. Can you talk a little bit about just you know what's a grand jury, how do they function, and then um, maybe some of your thoughts about recording proceedings or televising or or some of the other proposals around grand juries?
0: Sure. So I just want to. at the outset that I am not opposed to the concept of recording grand jury what I'm opposed to are the bills that have been presented so far on that subject the district attorneys Association actually presented its own bill uh, which didn't get any kind of traction up in Salem so grand jury is a proceeding that is required uh, well there are two ways you can get a felony case charged and ready to go to trial one of them is preliminary hearing which we don't do in Lane County but we could the other is grand jury and in order to proceed on a felony through grand jury the uh, evidence though uncontroverted because the defendant doesn't have to be there defense attorney isn't there uh, is presented to seven citizens who serve for 28 days on the grand jury and they hear that evidence Uh, It's evidence that would be admissible at trial and make a determination of whether there is sufficient evidence to charge someone with a crime and that's it they aren't deciding guilt or not guilt they're just saying okay there is sufficient evidence to take this uh, case to the next step which is to serve the defendant with the indictment and the case for trial since I've been in the DA's office in you know starting in 1990 um, in 1994 we started impaneling two grand juries one just to hear child abuse cases strictly and then one that hears all the rest of the felony cases there have been it's now approaching 4,500 Lane County citizens who have sat on our grand juries Grand jury is a function of the court that the DA's office uh, handles for the benefit of the court. And, uh, yes, it's a secret proceeding. There is no one other than the seven grand jurors, one witness at a time, and the, the lawyer from the district attorney's office unless there's a court order allowing for an interpreter or a corrections officer if one of the witnesses is in custody. Uh a drug case that we run through grand jury may take ten minutes. One witness, it would just be the police officer who handled the investigation. It might not even take a full ten minutes. A domestic violence case can take an hour or more. Uh, you know significant uh, you know crime sprees, Somebody who's committed you know a dozen burglaries. I can take days to take through grand jury as you bring in all of the victims and witnesses and law enforcement that investigated. And in the end, uh, the grand jury decides whether or not we can proceed on the case. So these proposals that are up at the legislature now are that every grand jury proceeding would be recorded, uh, audio recorded. And one of them has... The county paying for it, and the other has the state paying for it, uh, which uh, grand jury is a function of the court, so the state should be paying for it. It has a provision that uh, somebody from the DA's office would teach one of the grand jurors how to run the recording device, um, and you know deliberations are not to be recorded, so. Somebody has to make sure that on every case, the grand juror who's tasked with recording has remembered to push the off button uh, for deliberations and then start it up again for the next case. And then somebody has to take that. And I don't know if it's uh, the court has its own recording system that stores the recordings Contemporary, contemporaneously with them being made. I don't know if we would be using the court system or if we would be getting a different system uh, and whether that would be stored by the court in their current system or if we would be required to store that, uh, you know, it's a lot of data to store and then uh, disseminating it. There are different versions on who gets to have the recording and when. Uh, But as you can imagine, there are cases that witnesses would be really intimidated to come to grand jury if they knew that uh, the defendant was going to get to hear what was said. One of the prime examples of that are, are the gang cases. You know, when when nobody knows out in public exactly what was said in grand jury by a witness, that that witness can say, "I didn't tell them anything," uh, when in fact, you know, they under oath have told you everything. But having that go out public puts that person at extreme risk. Uh, the same thing with child mm-hmm. abuse cases, and and the other thing that. Uh, nobody talks about is that it's a grand jury investigation and the grand jurors get to ask questions. But a lot of times the questions that they ask are things that are not admissible evidence. And so the lawyer from my office has to tell them I'm tell the witness, uh, I'm sorry, you can't answer that question, and then explain to the grand jury why the question can't be answered. Well, grand jurors aren't going to be willing to ask questions necessarily if they know that it's being recorded and they may be uh, on the recording being told that the question can't be answered or, uh, you know, the perception that they're asking dumb questions. Uh, it's It's just not very well thought out. Um, and and you know the child abuse cases in lane county we have the grand jury over at our child abuse intervention center kids first it's not at the courthouse so that kids don't have to come into this environment which frankly isn't very nice unless they absolutely have to at trial so there are a lot of things to take into consideration on that and, and frankly i've made the decision that if we're going to be recording grand jury there will be, uh, the vast majority of our cases will just go to preliminary hearing, and so there's a, an impact on the court. I just saw from Judge Rasmussen that I expect that it would be more than one judge full time to hear the cases that we take to grand jury right now if it were only 80% of those that went to preliminary hearing. But if you know we're recording grand jury and defense attorneys are filing motions on what happens in grand jury we might as well just have a judge decide that from the outset so you know it will it will lead to a lot of change and and there's been no fiscal impact provided uh, on you know the DA's Association has given estimates for each of the counties of what the fiscal impact is going to be and the courts weighing in on that as well at a time that we have over a billion dollar deficit in the state to go into something that the cost estimates are for the entire state uh, uh, in a biennium about $20 million. So I don't, I don't think it's very well thought out, but <laughs> that oh, – and one more thing. The, the legislature is voting on this grand jury recordation. And in late 2016, uh, after the election, I invited all 15 of our uh, – actually, I'm sorry, it was the year, the year before. I invited all 15 uh, legislators who have any uh, citizens – in lane county to come and see grand jury and talk to a grand jury panel at the end of their session to find out what they think about it and uh, i didn't get responses from most of them uh, representative barnhart was the only one who showed up and representative or senator prasansky said well he'd been a lawyer here and he Uh, knew what grand jury was but he also missed the opportunity to find out what the grand jurors think about this as as people who are sitting in that room uh, which by the way is a really small horrible room and it's not ADA accessible in the current Lane County Courthouse so there are my thoughts on grand jury recordation our response will be to switch to preliminary hearing in most cases even though the expense will already be done uh, because Uh, it just makes better sense than to go into this other proceedings that way and and then litigate it later. Did that answer your question?
1: Yeah, it did. In fact, it it went into really great detail and I, and I I appreciate the, uh, the explanation of, of the impact maybe that we just go to more preliminary hearings, which involves a judge and, uh, and tying up a courtroom and, um, uh, a lot more, you know, a less expedient, um, method of determining whether we're even going to charge somebody. Cause that's basically what a grand a grand jury's job is to decide whether or not we're even going to, uh, uh, press charges in a crime, you know, whether there's sufficient evidence to actually charge somebody and take and, and move towards trial. So, um. Yeah, that that. Interesting explanation. Yeah, for you know, my view of it as a as a commissioner, you know, it was basically about you know an unfunded mandate that was possibly going to be passed on to counties from from the state, and the impact to the system of of um, witnesses that may not want to be recorded and and other issues like that. And then also, there's a whole other side that there's a now we've got a, a whole new set of public records that we have to keep for a certain length of time, which is a storage issue, but it's also a staffing and issue on recall as we get, you know, public record requests in through uh, our county council's office for a grand jury recording of a case that happened three or four years ago, you know, know, say sometime in the future.
0: Right, the good news for county council is that all the public records requests to the DA's office are handled by our staff so it won't be a burden on county council it will be an additional burden on the staff here
1: yeah yeah but it's just it's a public record now that doesn't exist that now will become something that newspapers can ask for um, any party can ask for a public record doesn't mean they'll necessarily get it but there's expense involved in just processing any public record request and now you're going to have hours and hours of audio tapes stored up and you probably have to keep them for at least seven years. Um, most public records are, are, have that, that time period on them. Um, which means, you know, terabytes of, of digital data that will have to be accessible eventually in some way for, for retrieval. And then, you know, you know whether or not you have to go through and listen to that and see if there are things we're going to have to blot out names or or um, you know some uh, you know places where where it's necessary to hide an identity and there's a there's a a legal reason for doing so so it's going to have to be reviewed by one of your attorneys before it gets released um, it's going to add a huge workload to your office ultimately to have this huge public record that will now be available or folks to request.
0: Well, it's also going to be a greater expense uh, to the state for uh, indigent defense. Um, I would say more than 90% of criminal defendants have a lawyer at state expense, and each one of those cases is going to require a transcript that a defense attorney is going to have to read. Uh, And when we go to preliminary hearing, they will either have to appear and attend that or waive it. Uh, And so it's going to be, we took over 800 cases to grand jury last year. If we percent of those to preliminary hearing, uh, that's a huge expense in court time and indigent defense costs. So it's not just our cost, it's a statewide cost. And um, for something that I, I don't know where the the drive for this came from, I that you know that grand jury is is this terrible thing that needs to be uh, reined in. That you know rights are getting violated. It, it's merely a decision of whether someone's going to get charged with a crime. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, so now we've got about. To... Yeah, I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry, I interrupted you for a second there. Defendants are what?
0: Uh, th- there, it's now a state law that under many circumstances, if a defendant wanted to attend grand jury, he or she could. Uh, most, on the advice of counsel, would never do that, but uh, they certainly have that right to do that.
1: Yeah. So we got about five minutes left in the, the Bo's Nose show here with uh, Lane County District Attorney Patty Perlow. And if you have a question for her, you can give us a call at 646-721-9887 and just press 1 and that lets uh, Robin know you want to get in on the conversation. Um, with five minutes left, is there something um, we haven't covered yet? Because we've covered a lot of ground here. Uh, in the last 55 minutes or so, um, about the DA's office or the criminal justice system that that you'd like to talk about.
0: Uh, well, there are a number of things I'd like to talk about, but I don't know if five minutes is really going to adequately cover that. Um, one of them is the uh, terrible traffic fatality rate that we have in Lane County. I have a lawyer on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to uh, respond to these uh, car crashes in Lane County if there is an at-fault driver who survives. And the workload on that one lawyer is tremendous. We need greater law enforcement presence out on our roads, uh, and people need to stop driving like idiots. We uh, also have a terrible... (laughs) Uh, an opioid problem here in Lane County, and we need to, I mean, I've attended uh, symposiums and meetings and all, and and everybody knows about it, and it's all over the country, but nobody's come up with a a way to address it. Um, We have a tremendous uh, mental health problem, and I, I don't know why it seems so much worse now than it did 10 years ago, what the driving factor for that is. My office handles civil commitment hearings. It used to be that we would have maybe five in a month at most and now we're up to sometimes 15 in a month. So I don't know what uh, what is driving that but uh, times are changing and, and in many ways not for the good we're addressing them much better than we ever did before. But I don't have an explanation for why the numbers are so high now.
1: Yeah, so that, 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 that's a, a really... Yeah, yeah, pretty interesting questions. And all three, you know, I've got opinions on and all that. But I definitely agree with you on the traffic fatalities. You know, you can almost tie directly the increase in fatalities in Oregon and Lane County to our decrease in uh patrol presence on our roadways uh both OSP and our uh county sheriff's deputies have had drastic reductions over the last uh 30 years in time and, and over that period um we've lost you know we were having de- decreasing fatalities because cars got safer but then we that that you know that return on on cars getting safer is kind of petered out and now we're really seeing uh driver behavior drive up um fatalities on our roadways and it's truly driver behavior um so you know it's terrible that we have to have somebody out there enforcing behavior but it really um it seems to be a need in this state um yeah some of the, the other issues about opioids and and mental health um you know, they may actually be driving each other in some ways, because I think we're seeing that a lot of addiction changes brain uh, chemistry and brain pathways. And that may be part of what's increasing our, our uh, mental health crisis in this in this country, is it's somewhat being driven by addiction uh, behaviors. So um, we just have to keep working on those things. I think we spent a lot of time talking about treatment court and, and diverting people um, just one of the ways we can chip away uh at those last two issues so patty i, I want to thank you for being my guest today I, I i know you said an hour was a long time does it seem like it was a long time
0: surprisingly no it went by very quickly
1: <laughs> yeah it's pretty amazing how how fast that can go by and and, and And even with that, you didn't have time to really talk about everything you wanted to talk about in the detail you'd like to talk about it. So I'm hoping you'll come back and be a guest in the future and uh, and that you enjoyed your time here on the Bose Nose show. uh, And hopefully you got to educate some folks here in Lane County and, and, you know, we actually get heard internationally, too. So some folks might have learned a few things today.
0: Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be here and I hope. Next time, some people will want to call and have a conversation with us.
1: Yeah, I hope so too. Sometimes it's just those folks don't feel comfortable calling, and I and I, I treat all my callers with respect. And there is no dumb question. So, thank you for being on the Bose Nose Show, Patty.
0: Thanks very much.
1: And that's about it for the Bo's Nose Show today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Bo's Nose Show. Coming to you here live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. Good night and have a great week.